0: All right, everyone. Welcome to Flywheel, your number one source for everything FRAX, DeFi, and all that's in between. If you want to know what's going on in the world on chain, well, you've come to the right place. This is DeFi Dave here, as always, with Capital K, and we are here to help you harness the power of the flywheel. And talking about a well-rounded flywheel, this was uh, quite the episode with uh, Fiscontes of Z Prime Capital. Uh, you know, Fiscontes has, you know, developed quite the following uh and has you know a number of great posts shit posts and insights alike so we want to get him on the pod and we go through everything here from you know his thesis what he thinks is overrated what he thinks is underrated his favorite NFTs, his diet is all kind and we're not just talking about food diet we're talking about information diet which is probably my favorite part of the episode uh but we get into everything on this one so uh, kit what are your thoughts
1: Honestly, it was just a great vibe session. So another I another great vibe you guys, session. Yeah, you guys put this on. Hopefully, you save it for like an evening time so you pour yourself a nice glass of whatever you like and just just yeah. listen along and vibe and listen to the story of the you know, of the PFP Fiscantis and you get yeah. to know him real well, I think.
0: Yeah, pour some wine, maybe pour some tea, maybe mix them together like Vitalik does and just sit back and enjoy yourself. But before we do, I want you to make sure you go and hit that bell button if you're on YouTube or hit that retweet button if you're on Twitter, uh, share this, make sure you go ahead, leave a comment, leave a post, let us know what you think on whatever platform you're watching this on. Uh, if you're following us on Twitter, make thank you. But if you want to follow us, hit that follow button right now. Uh, if you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button right now. I don't know if I repeated myself. Uh, make sure to follow us on all our social media platforms at uh, DeFi on Twitter tiktok and telegram as well <laughs> and then go to our website flywheeldefi.com go subscribe to that too and if you want to follow me i'm Defi Dave 22 and i'm at zero Ice capital underscore k and let's get the flywheel spinning <laughs> do you hold eth but don't know what to do with it? Want to earn those juicy liquid staking derivative yields, but don't know where to start? Well, Frax ETH is there for you. Frax ETH is Frax's native LSD solution, allowing you to earn boosted yields in multiple ways on your ETH. If you want to get started, go to app.frax.finance and turn your ETH into FraxETH today. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Flywheel. I'm your host, Defi Dave, here as always with Capital K. And this time around, we have the man, the myth, the legend, the shit poster, the VC. Uh, we have Fiscantes on. Fiscontes, uh, you know, you've been uh, in the space for a while. Uh, we've been following each other for a while. Huge fan of your content. Huge, huge fans of your insights, your shit posting. Uh, it's great to like finally get you on, and you know, I've, I'm really looking forward to your, this conversation, especially hearing other ones you've had in the past.
2: Glad to be here. Um, also following you for quite a time, so <laughs> finally, pet
0: yeah and the first thing i want to ask was uh how was your ski trip in italy uh were those 10 year olds giving you a hard time
2: yeah they were crushing <laughs> my soul um well, I, it was my first uh skiing experience after i think 20 years so 20 years i was, I was basically a noob I, I like i kind of remember that as a kid i i was skiing so- somewhere for like a couple of days but yeah, it was like starting from scratch, and I'm generally <clears throat> I'm generally quite like fit, and uh, I feel like I should be able to perform well in this sort of sport. But <laughs> yeah, you know, I sucked really hard.
0: Wait, was... what was going on between those twenty years? Like, why did you stop and why did you start up again? What motivated you to be like, hey, I'm gonna hit the slopes again?
2: Mm, I don't know. I just felt like I don't really enjoy winter as much. Um, I kind of always preferred like escaping somewhere um where there is warm and nice uh, ocean and stuff so mm-hmm. yeah i tried all kinds of things surfing scuba diving and i like those um with skiing i i just felt like it's like especially where i come from the slopes there are kind of meh and uh, full of people mm-hmm. yeah. so it's not such an enjoyable experience and uh, so i basically just like i just saw i just saw like my friends uh Going there, like posting on Instagram or something, and the slopes were extremely um, crowded, and there was like a lot of uh, um, lot of people not knowing what they are doing. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really want to do that. I prefer to be somewhere in the nature alone rather than like uh, standing being
0: solitude. Yeah.
2: yeah, but then like some of uh, some of my teammates uh, organized this ski trip to Italy uh, in uh, right. like Dolomites. Um, which is very different. It's like much more serene, much less people, uh, more slopes. Um, yeah, it was, if if uh, I had such a good experience when I was a kid or when I saw my friends, um, I would probably go back to skiing sooner than this. Yeah,
0: no, I feel that. I was once a skier, I was not very good. I'm not very good at foot-eye coordination things. I actually went skiing, I must've been 10 or 11. And I got tricked on going, I was a beginner, but I got tricked on going on like the double black diamond or like green diamond, oh, some God. like really difficult hill. Oh, God. And I didn't know how to stop. And so I was just like, go down. an 11 year old me would just go down, then literally fall and go down another 20 feet and then fall. Hmm. And then I saw, I was going down and I saw this ditch. You know what I thought? I was like, I'm gonna jump over this ditch. You know what happened? I did not jump over the ditch. <laughs> my ski got like stuck and I slammed my head. And I cracked my head open. I got my first concussion. I was basically kind of just a little delirious, like just sitting there on the snow, like what the hell happened to me right here. Some guy like that was patrolling the slopes was like, Hey, you're like really bleeding a lot. I'm just like, I guess so. So he oh. takes me down the mountain on the snowmobile, and uh I end up going to the hospital and just getting like stitched up, and I still have this scar on my head since yeah, you heard and, the number. Uh, yeah, I, I I remember that, you know, and I actually went back skiing. I was like, I can't like let this be the last time I ski. I went back, but I'm just like, you <laughs> know, skiing is not really for me. for me. It's not really, it's not really, I, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather be on the beach. Honestly, I'd rather be by the ocean, chilling and, you know,
2: but so this yeah. Is what, this is what happened to Mr. Quack, uh, to my uh, business partner who was there. Oh, with us. Um, Mr. Quack? Wore, yeah, yeah. He all, uh, we all uh, wore helmets. Right, And he was like, nah, helmets are for pussies. And then he was like, <laughs> oh, well. it was like a really stupid fall too. It was not even something super serious, but he just like hit the back of his head. And then he, then he was also transported by Snowmobile and he forgot how to speak English for like one hour. He didn't understand yeah. English. The,
0: the one day oh. I forgot to wear a helmet, I like was the day I cracked my head open. So go, go figure. Like, but yeah, always wear a helmet, folks.
2: You know. By the way, I like your current hat. Uh, Yayo is my oh, uh, uh, thank you. I'm favorite a... uh, Twitter accounts and, and NFTs.
0: Oh, it's my favorite Twitter account, and also their Instagram is great as well. Uh, oh, really? My, they yeah, they have a, they have an Instagram too. Uh, my favorite was when like the whole like M'lady split was happening, and there was this fighting, and then they were just responding to every tweet with like selling the Yayo supplements. <laughs> it's just like I don't know. <laughs> I I love the energy of Yayo. I I picked up some more Yayo actually like a few nights ago. Well, mm. that's just like, let me repeat. that. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Because Yayo is slang, right? Yeah, well, you know, yeah, exactly, snow. exactly. But no, it's one of my favorite collections. <laughs> uh, but like, what NFTs do you have, uh, Fiscantes?
2: Oh, I have everything. Like, man, like hey, I have nice. so many. I spent so much money on NFTs over the years. Like I was buying crypto. I mean, I, I just bought like one crypto CryptoPunk when it, it was like $300. I don't know how much uh, I it. And I, since then I kept buying art. I kept buying all the collections. I kind of, anything that I find at least uh, like a bit uh, interesting or aesthetically like uh, pleasing or something, I just like buy one or two. You know, I, I have this sort of saying, just buy two, one to keep and one to yeah. flip. So, uh, uh,
0: What's your biggest uh, NFT buying regret?
2: oh what's my i mean there are so many things that i bought and then they went like to zero i don't actually regret much because even if i if i buy something that goes to zero for me i always feel like i'm collecting it rather than i'm investing so i yeah. don't really think about it in right, p right. terms as much yeah that's true um yeah. i think the only regrets i have is when, <laughs> this is what, hap- what happened to me a couple of times on uh on solana on tenzo right now where i try to like buy some Solana NFTs and sometimes I see something that looks pretty cool and I buy a couple because they're also like very cheap right but then uh when I come back uh after a couple of hours it says that the collection was flagged because it's like uh, copied from from uh, some uh, sort of open it's like, li- like literally rugged th- that's that, that's literally <laughs> yeah. like uh, yeah it's it's like being scammed so this is what I regret but other than that um I don't regret much. I mean, I don't yeah. spend that much money on NFTs and yeah. enough NFTs when I, when would I, when I would look at my like PNL, like raw PNL without considering size, I think I outperformed on NFTs historically more than anything else.
0: Oh, nice. It's, it's better no, than most people. Lucky, yeah. Not like, yeah. not
2: having any sort of, what, yeah.
0: what are your, what are some of your favorite collections
2: that you own? Favorite collections favorite communities. Mm, what are my favorite like we mentioned the io right yeah um, mm-hmm. i really i really like forgotten runes um i just mm-hmm. like this fantasy oh, really? pixel art yeah. style um i mean man there are so many things i actually like this is funny i, I think everybody will laugh but uh, i actually like loot it's just such you like, a,
0: loot. Really you like loot.
2: yeah i like it it's such a bizarre concept to have these like items in written form like i was mm-hmm. actually thinking it would be cool to have uh I mean, it would be kind of bizarre as well, but to organize like a physical gallery with loot NFTs, where you would just walk, you know, there would be these huge frames on the walls, (laughs) (laughs) these like, you know, these like uh, words written on it, right? Uh, So, I don't know, I just like this kind of bizarre, weird stuff. Uh, Mm -hmm. One other that I really like uh, is Terraforms, that's more like highbrow. Uh, kind of intellectually stimulating uh let's say 3d art space uh comprised of nfts and i i mean I, i'm sucker for these things too so yeah i
0: know what about you kit what is what nfts do you have oh man
1: my nfts i like like the the ringer and like Fidenza types You like the art. Fidenza like, you're, oh, like, so you're, oh, so you're yeah, a fine collector yeah. we have a <laughs> yeah, we have I'm a more, man of, of, a- of high culture here okay <laughs> yeah okay yeah I, I I go for those um I don't really dive deep into the milady or the Yeo culture much so yeah I'm on I just, the other end of the spectrum I just
0: picked up a Vermilio last night it's just like there's this one guy who's posting uh I think his name's trading axe I don't know if you guys have seen him around He's, I don't know, he's getting, posting some really good content. Um, like these like long posts that are really entertaining and really insightful. And at the end of every post, he just says Remilio. And Remilio like, at the end of every post, that's just his like tagline at the end. And I don't know, it just got in my head and I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to buy a Remilio. So I bought a Yayo and I bought a Remiglio. um So we'll see, we'll see what happens there. Um, but, you know, getting, getting into it, Fiscantes, uh your background is you were a poker player uh and you were like messing around a bit in crypto and you heard about ethereum and then it seems like it sounds like you got you're a bit deeper a bit deeper and then one day you just ended up a vc at z prime and have been killing it ever since um Mm. so can you go a little bit into your story uh like how did you get into crypto and like yeah yeah, go ahead it's
2: it's like it's like story i tell a lot um so i don't want to repeat myself too much but i went uh I went kind of fully into it when I when I already knew that I don't want to play poker uh, longer because it's it's just like it it got very boring and I started to invest in a lot of stuff with my money. I I bought some uh, real estate like just one apartment which did pretty well. I invested in some random uh, like uh, businesses uh in my uh, local area when I was uh, some cheese import export uh some other stuff which didn't really pan out well like totally random <laughs> stuff i knew that i want to invest chasing
0: like. the cheese yeah yeah cheese I was the sore.
2: yeah um and i knew that i want to invest that i'm kind of even before i played with stock markets and stuff but i wanted to invest in something that gives me some sort of edge and then i realized like basically tech investment field is is way to go uh, when you don't have that much capital and you want to like uh, hit exponential returns or like asymmetric risk reward. Um, so I started to look into like VR space as well, but it was super hard for some like random ex-poker player with a little bit of money to kind of get into it. Um, and then I then I remembered, oh wait, I have this Bitcoin uh, I used to uh, <laughs> I have play this on, this, <laughs> on this online poker room. So let me check if I still have it. It was like 2016, and I went to this online poker room um, where I, I, I remember I kind of kept like 30 Bitcoin or something, right? Um, and it was no longer functioning. It was just uh. like that. So I lost 30 Bitcoin there. But I had some other like uh, some other money somewhere. So I was like, yeah, let me let me play with it. Um, first thing I did was I realized that if I want to buy, there are a couple of exchanges, and one of those was BTCe. Um, the other was Bitfinex, and at that time there was like a sort of like arbitrage opportunity between BTC and Bitfinex. The price was couple of percent uh, percent lower on BTCe, and uh, I was like, yeah, that's that looks pretty cool. Like, I will deposit money to BTCe, I will buy Bitcoin, send it to Bitfinex, sell it. I'm like, it sounds almost good to, too good to be true. But well, if there <laughs> are money on the on the ground, why not pick it up? So I started to do that. It took like. Uh, a bit more than one week to finish the whole round, like uh, bank uh, bank deposit or something uh, to uh, BTCe buying. Then then there was this like period, like grace period, something like 48 hours or something, on BTCe uh, during which you couldn't withdraw. So you could like deposit money, you right. could buy Bitcoin, but you had to wait 48 hours to withdraw. So I right, for wait 48 hours, I send Bitcoin to Bitfinex, sell it there, repeat. Did a couple of times was making some money, and then uh, one day I logged into BTCe, and uh, instead of normal login screen, there was this uh, FBI eagle. Oh no! This uh, domain was seized by FBI, oh, no. uh. and then it turned out that there was this guy, like I think Bulgarian Alexander Vinik, who um, who was running this exchange, and he was also somehow connected to uh, MtGox hack. And I mean, I stopped mm-hmm. following the case, but apparently, if I'm not wrong, they were kind of using BTCE to launder money uh, or Bitcoin hacked from empty and that's why the, there was this like uh, price discount uh, because they were selling they're selling dirty bitcoins. Yeah, I don't even. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not even sure if I should be telling this, but yeah, I was kind of like probably helping them <laughs> in a way. I didn't know, right? Um, yeah. No, one, I, no one yeah, did. and then then yeah. I was just like, okay, I still have some some of these like uh, coins, but Bitcoin, I don't know. It, it always felt kind of stupid to me. Um, it felt stupid. Yeah, it, it was really like, is this thing that you can somehow mine with your computer? Or why? <laughs> like, what does it mean? And then it ser- serves like a payment, but it's kind of like it's clunky. You cannot use it very I well. I feel like, like that's how most how, people
0: outside of crypto and, and Bitcoin think about. Bitcoin. They're like, what yeah, is yeah. I was yeah. very
2: normy in this. I, I used Bitcoin because I wanted to play this on these poker rooms, right? But I didn't really like it. It was like this stupid payment system is it's kind of worse than PayPal. And sometimes when the price moves, I, I'm losing money, right? Like I don't want to lose money. I just, wanna <laughs> yeah. money. I just I want to play poker, money. I don't want to pull out some exchange rate, right? Um, but hmm. then I then I learned about Ethereum, and then when it kind of clicked, um, I started to get much deeper into the tech uh, uh, tech side i also met some like kind of these ideological crypto anarchist hackers uh, in like mm-hmm. local hacker place where i wanted to go to some like crypto meetup and they were able to kind of uh, red pill me into the ideolo- ideology of crypto not just like the tech or the trading aspect so mm-hmm. then i started to research it was like already Early 2017, I started to research mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. ICOs. I'm like, wow, like I can actually invest with little money I have. I can run like a proper like a tech fund almost, right? I can just like invest yeah. my money yeah. and then uh, it's like investing in liquid startups. Like obviously, 17 for, from 20 will fail, but like two or three maybe will make like 100x or something, right? Yeah. It's, it's what I wanted to do. I wanted to. Uh, look for these uh, asymmetric uh, opportunities. And yeah, I was doing that myself for some time, and then we kind of got together with a couple of guys and started our funds. Not one fund, Uh, but actually one liquid fund and and a VC fund.
1: Is that Uh, what Z-Prime is today? Or is that before Z-Prime?
2: and and Sigil. Sigil is uh, a liquid hedge fund, and it's kind of under, now it's under one legal entity, and it's kind of you know, it's experienced investors fund, so it has multiple cells and yeah, it's kind of boring topic but yeah it's it's more diverse than just z prime BC, but yeah it's corners. Yeah, so
0: so um when you're investing in protocols what do you usually look for and what would
2: you consider red flags um so i think the most in- interesting part of this question is the beginning when you say investing in protocols yeah because like and this is something i was thinking about a couple of times i was writing on twitter like most projects claim they are building protocols, but what they are actually building are on-chain businesses. Mm, um, yeah,
0: you mentioned that in your last interview. Uh, you're talking about. You od- yeah, this. yeah.
2: It, it feels like, like I don't know, like this word "protocol." Like, w- what it actually means in like computing uh, world is just basically some set of rules uh, that govern some exchange or transmission of of data between some devices or nodes or whatever. Right. So. blockchains are in a way protocols but like a lot of other stuff that's being built on blockchains uh, are not protocols even and uh, you know when when you are investing in in stuff like in in a venture um, you sometimes ask is this a feature or a product meaning is this something that's like just one little thing that people want to use but uh, is not like fully fledged product that you can actually monetize so sometimes I ask when, I, when these projects come to me and say, oh, we are building a protocol, I ask, is this a protocol or a business? Because like usually most of protocols mm-hmm. are just like some little pieces of tech, more like features or like maybe more complex than features, but they are not really investable. It's like investing in open source code. Like you cannot invest in open source code. You can invest in a business that develops and maintains and sells open source code and maybe some other services around it. But like, it's not investable to invest in some open source library, right? So, hmm. yeah. um, crypto protocols are a bit different. They sometimes inherently have a token that should have some value, right? Um, mm-hmm. And people actually, I would say, wanna say they they are building protocols just to kind of avoid some regulatory risks and uh, you know, like with uh, uh, launching securities and stuff. But if we are extremely honest to ourselves, like most people are building businesses, even. Projects like Ethereum, you could say that, of course, Ethereum is now also a very successful uh, crypto protocol, but it's still kind of a business. It still has developers that are still like having some, um, they have some vision, some roadmap, you can calculate cash flow, and it's very mature business at that. Mm. So I, I prefer to invest in businesses. Um, and there are only a couple of, I would say, there are only a couple of uh, projects in crypto that should have, uh, that should have this goal of becoming uh, a protocol, meaning like kind of self sustained uh, economically and technologically. Um, there is this uh, concept I just read recently about called hyperstructure. Yes. Uh, which is the protocol that kind of runs forever without maintenance. And in crypto, like that also should mean that there is this like sustainable crypto economic model that. Does what it's supposed to do usually incentivize some group of actors? There's some but, flywheel oh, going on. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. Flywheel is a is a good word, incidentally. Um,
1: okay, Fisky, could you give us some examples then of a protocol and not protocol? Or do do you want me to throw some names at you and then you go protocol, <laughs> not protocol? Um,
0: I mean, protocol is
2: yeah. Let's let's throw names. Like, I would start okay. with All Bitcoin. Right. I think Bitcoin is already a protocol. Okay, Ave Optimism. is not a protocol. Ave is more like a business. Okay optimism optimism i would say it's more business could it be Stark a protocol wear. yeah it could but then they would okay. need to dissolve the DAO and like don't do any <laughs> business and stuff so yeah. it was next starkware starkware is a company right it's a business yeah. maybe starknet could be a protocol but yeah it's, it's a business uh-huh. oh interesting what about okay. uniswap i Uniswap the the code is the protocol. Uniswap labs is, is business. The business. Yep. Yep. I, I agree with that. Okay, how about
1: GMX? The perp exchange.
2: Mm, I would need to check like how much time they spend on developing new features and acquiring users and stuff, but I would say they are closer to Yeah, I, I think they are business. Because they still like if you need to care about like marketing to retail users or like some some sort of end users, then you are cross, closer to a business than a protocol. Dogecoin, Frax. Oh, Dogecoin, Dogecoin is going. Oh my god, Dogecoin <laughs> is a good example. Dogecoin is is a protocol for sure, it's protocol. but it's also a meme. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's it's it's. Brilliant. I mean, they're all memes at the end of the day. Yeah, of course, of course, that's true. Yeah, and exactly. Frax, I would say, it's much closer to business. They have such a vast roadmap, and they, I think, they are comprising from multiple protocols. That kind of. They they aim to be like synergetic together. Synergic. Whatever. Yeah. Um so yeah. I would say it's closer to business, much closer. Olympus DAO. Olympus DAO <laughs> is is a business and it it will become a protocol probably if they if they do it correctly with the next uh, improvement proposal. Yeah, got it um yeah
0: what's going on with olympus i was gonna ask that was gonna be one of my next one of my questions i was gonna ask is you guys were early investors in olympus you know you've seen the whole journey to where it is now and i was reading up on you know they have a collaboration with uh, Pease finance i believe uh can you go in the story of olympus how'd you found them what do you think of their journey so far and where you see them heading from here
2: Mm, how do i found them i one day i tweeted that i think that we are too over reliant on uh on stable coins packed to dollar. And I kind of had this rant that you know it uh, it increases the regulatory and other risks, you know, for crypto and DeFi. And we should try try to find some more independent but still kind of stable economic unit of value. And some like something independent something kind of stable but not pegged to one dollar and and uh, zeus replied to my to my tweet that he is building this and uh. we got in touch and we we were chatting about it and yeah it was very it was for me something completely new back then mm-hmm. mm. it was like the thesis basically is that it's centralized central bank with its own currency meaning like economically stable but still relatively free floating currency you know, that this like central bank in one way or another is managing independently and it tries to achieve some goals, which is not just, let's say, to pump the price or something or or uh, get revenue, but to kind of create this asset that is economically um, viable as an alternative currency. Mm. So, yeah, so this was something completely new back then. And uh, before you ask me the, this question like what do we look at uh, when we invest in protocols so mm-hmm. I kind of one thing that I look at is uh, or I try to find is this sort of zero to one mindset of a founder mm-hmm. like we, we see in crypto it's super easy to copy stuff because a lot of stuff is open source and you can see on chain what works and what doesn't so I would say like ninety. Nine percent of crypto projects are just like copycats with maybe some differences, tweaks, marginal improvements. And very rarely you have someone who wants to try to build something completely new. Obviously, it's much more risky to try that. And, you know, it usually fails. But if it doesn't, it just can redefine, you know, the whole space and, and uh, put, like, push us forward or somewhere Right. Yeah, so, Push us somewhere. Somewhere. Know, pushed us yeah. somewhere. You Olympus definitely pushed us somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. I guess Olympus has very bad reputation because of their like distribution strategy, which was kind of maybe too much leaning into the Ponzi naming aspect early on. But I would say the basic thesis behind it was very interesting. I would also say that it was maybe way too early, and people don't really care about this too much today or or back then. But I would say this is something that we should be exploring in future, like having this sort of independent central bank uh, of crypto trying to like manipulate its currency in a way that's uh, beneficial for users rather than just outsource this responsibility to Fed by pegging Mm -hmm. most of Mm -hmm. our like uh, assets or some of them to to dollar, right?
0: Yeah, my, you know, I'm all for alternative decentralized currencies, uh, but like my question is when it comes to them is how do they get adoption? How do you get people to think in hmm. the mindset of ohm and have things to nominate in ohm i think rye faced the same problem as well a lot of these non-peg stable
2: coins i mean, that problem yeah even Peg stablecoins coins face this problem like yeah. who's using frax or Dai? like almost nobody only for some yield farms but people are not really like using it in commercial sense right so it's not only problem of of these assets yeah. problem of majority of of uh, uh currency like assets in crypto and uh, like, apart from USDT and USDC, like, like, to be honest, nobody is really using any, anything, right? Um, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to to build something better, but it probably will need to be mm-hmm. 10 times better than what we have now, 10 times better than USDT and USDC. One, my favorite example in this category is Luna, which obviously yeah. is extremely yeah. controversial and it turned out to be a, a scam and a huge blow to the space, but, like, Distribution-wise, they were able to compete with USDT and USDC. Um, there are a couple of reasons for that. The biggest one, obviously, was the unsustainable and, yield. Yeah, but they are the ones that actually they brought new users to crypto. Like when I when I look at some crypto project now today, I kind of matured in that. I'm trying to ask the question like, how will this bring the next hundred million users to crypto? What what will they come for, right? And, I mean, they probably won't come for another Algo stable coin that does some la-la-la uh, yield, something. But they came for uh, Luna for some reason. And the reason was the yield was 20%, which is, like, crazy, right? Like, even people who are not, like, speculators that like to bet on uh, volatility, they still, like, wanted to have this sort of, let's say, Low risk uh, investment opportunity. Low risk. Their demise, yeah, low risk uh, perceived at least. But also, Luna actually had quite good uh, developer documentation and UX. Like the ecosystem of Terra, you know, with Mirror and everything. Like I remember in 2000, uh, what was it like? 20, I would say, yeah, 2021. It was one of the best showcases Mm -hmm. of. Uh, of like let's say modern DeFi like in, on Mirror you could trade these stocks you know and provide liquidity for these synthetic stocks which was like even if I showed it to some normie he would definitely understand like what I'm doing there right so it was yeah. very like kind of I would say ahead of its time in this regard obviously then it turned out that lot of the transactions in the early days were fake and Doc 1 was leading it like this megalomaniac uh, emperor uh, you know like it's, mm-hmm. it, it's yeah it was a interesting experiment but it got too big too fast and also I would say some people behind it were not very genuine but I think mm-hmm. it had a good shot if it was uh, managed very differently it had a good shot of kind of It had a shot yeah it definitely had a shot but it seems like uh or, you know
0: dove flew a little bit too close to the sun like Achilles ego got a bit too big and like every oh. greek tragedy when you have too much pride the gods have a way of just you know going at your knees
2: and you know getting you down so yeah going back to olympus right now um like we were thinking that okay the distribution aspect is important so in this uh, yield farming meta they will try to amass a community and mind share and distribute using these like yield mechanics which turn out to be copied a lot but also very controversial some say not very genuine you know it's it's a hard topic, uh, kind of controversial right but mm-hmm. uh, now they are kind of already in this, let's say, mature phase. They are not extremely well adopted. I think they have; they, they still would need like much more biz dev and and uh, some adoption by some other protocols. Maybe like with launch of Bera Chain, uh, they will be able to have some uh, some sort of pole position there. But now what what they are trying to do is to kind of ossify the protocol to get rid of all the multisigs and to. Uh, Make it into this like more like hyper structure, which is protocol running forever, you know, without some active maintenance apart from some like levers uh, that will that will act as the central bank, you know, managing the the stability of its currency and the parameters of these loans and like simple things like that. Um, I'm not sure if that's very exciting vision Um, this early without like any proper like market penetration yet. But it's definitely, I would say, move into the direction that is in line with the original vision of volume. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So one thing that is kind of still ringing in my head is like the one side you say zero to one innovation, and then the other is like kind of mass adoption. Now, Mm -hmm. would would you say what Terra Luna did—the ability to bring in all these millions of new users? a zero-to-one innovation in terms of... It was almost, yeah, it was
2: almost, it was almost zero-to-one in a sense that, like, when I say zero-to-one, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's like some very new thing that nobody else had before. Example would be Uniswap. Like, Uniswap is zero-to-one. It is the thing that actually broke through the mold and and made uh, tail asset liquidity uh, creation possible. And before that, there was Bancor, you know, there were some other concepts, but... Uniswap was actually D0 to 1, not because it was first, but it was it was the one that made all the correct decisions to uh, mm-hmm. get where it is now and kind of dominate the market share. So in this sense, of course, there are a lot of projects that were earlier, and you know, sometimes I kind of laugh uh, when I see this scope on, from some communities on Twitter, like saying, oh, we were the first doing this and now this other more successful project is copying us you know and many such cases well I I don't think you need to be the first you need to be like the last right you need to be the biggest the winner Um, so if you if you copy someone else with some like basic mechanics but then you kind of reinvent some important aspects of it or like crash the distribution in very like new and and, uh, efficient way then you are the zero, zero to one right um, right. it's much easier to have like zero to one idea than have zero to one execution
0: yeah people can have ideas all day if only a few can you know, actually play it and put it into action indeed mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, asking the, the second part of my earlier question um, what do you usually view as red flags
2: what do I usually view as red flags oh there are yeah. many red, flags, oh, let's let's the red oh, flags
0: let's hear it, let's hear the red flags let's
2: hear it Let me think. Definitely like tourists, you know, like tourist founders. What do I mean by Mm -hmm. that? Founders that kind of opportunistically jump on narratives and when AI is cool, they start building AI when data availability is cool then what they build is suddenly data availability. And you have many of those, you know, these founders that kind of want to just jump on the bandwagon and kind of try to raise uh, big money on that and then just like Uh, slack off for years i guess i don't know but this is a huge red flag and we've seen it like a lot of times um this bandwagoning and switching narratives or like chasing narratives instead of having a solid uh, vision and unique insight into what you want to build and why um so that's a huge red flag and i'm talking now about like seed stage or early stage where it's much more about the founder than about the project you kind Mm -hmm. of need to because the projects are usually extremely early they have a lot of flaws, they are not really, uh, they are kind of half-baked, right? Um, Because it's like just like an idea stage or maybe some uh, prototype stage. Uh, So you kind of need to assess the founder more than the project. Like, okay, the project is something, but does the founder uh, have the vision? You know, does the founder have the grid? Um, Does he have a good team, you know, that kind of, uh, that proved itself in the past uh, in some way, all these things. So red flags are the opposite of that. Um, what would be other red flags? Um, yeah, optimizing for valuation very early, like that kind of connects to this narrative bandwagoning. Like, oh, like this project, this AI project raised uh, at 100 million valuations, so we have 50, right? Like, no, but they are different, you know, they maybe know different people or whatever they, they did well, but you are still seed stage project. You cannot, I mean, Optimizing for valuation is very short-sighted if you raise too much money too quickly for too big of a valuation then you know it creates problems later on down the line yeah um, also this sort of okay one interesting red flag is that many founders recently became very timid or like very scared to launch a token and we are crypto native investors we want to invest in tokens more than equity um, and we see many many founders like kind of being very scared or conservative with uh. to the token and that's that's another another end of the spectrum of red flags like you kind of if you want to build groundbreaking stuff in crypto and like kind of do something different and and uh, build something big you cannot be timid you cannot be scared you need to be able to take some risks, even, yes, even legal risks, I would say, like crypto is mm. uh, is a hell when it comes to regulations, right? So if you want to build in this space, you cannot just like do everything by the book and expect to build something that's actually interesting. You kind of need to, um, and this is also like pre- very controversial advice and I'm not a lawyer and you very should go not listen to me probably, but mm-hmm. you need to be able to be comfortable with some uh, rules um, being broken or bent or, or sort of ignored, I would say.
0: Not legal advice. <laughs> not legal advice, but, you know. Yeah, frisky yeah, but is getting frisky if, here. But if you do step into this space, it is noticeably a gray area in the sense that it's not accepted by the traditional world. You're at, you know, the bleeding edge and the cutting edge of innovation, and all these different areas. Like, you're gonna like, there's gonna be some lines that are gonna be blurred. Yes. And like, that's a given. If if you want to, if you want to play ball in the space, you just have to accept that. And I definitely agree with you. Like if you're launching a protocol, I'll say online or on-chain business, you know, there should be a token.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. You mentioned like a few narratives getting like thrown, like thrown around now, like you have AI. I mean, I've been seeing D pin come up. I've been seeing D I There's all this stuff. So, what do you think are, like, the most overrated
2: narratives at the moment? Mm, I would say <laughs> the infrastructure, infrastructure for blockchains is not, like, overrated. So we need it, of course. It's it's something that's needed. And uh, at Z Prime, we were voicing this need since 2020, 20 at least. Like, mm-hmm. we were famous for our middleware thesis as well, which was not as exciting as investing in Olympus and all these, like, bengi stuff but yeah. it was needed. It. but now it, it feels like everybody tries to play it safe and invest in the infra because it's like kind of safe bet to invest in picks and shovels so you have oh, and you also saw some some things uh, succeed wildly like celestia so everybody is now building D- <laughs> the build yeah. around it uh, now the risk-taking will be the next thing which i would say is more like a incremental improvement kind of Financial engineering to gain some more efficiency rather than a big like uh, breakthrough in anything So I I would say these things are kind of overrated right now, especially when it comes to valuations uh, In private rounds and even with tokens like all the bridges have like one two billion FDVs and it's like commodity product, right? So I would say this is overrated. I would say like if you ask me like um couple months ago, I would tell you that AI slash crypto is overrated, but I I think it kind of uh, it disappeared this narrative for a bit. I think it mm-hmm. will come back much stronger and will be much more overrated <laughs> than, it, yeah. than it used to be, but right now it's kind of more quiet. And I do believe there is something interesting there. It's just like, yeah. you know, it just, it's just so hard to to kind of cut through all the noise and all the tourists that just want to slap AI on top of their thing because it's cool buzzword now. Yeah. What else? Yeah, I would say these two. Uh, now, one thing that's kind of overrated and gets saturated, even though I'm very bullish on this uh, particular vertical, is uh, DeFi leverage trading and DeFi perps. Um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, It's actually something that, that we are bullish on in general, but at this point, it seems that, again, there is like uh, big saturation in this in this space. It's still kind yeah. of early. I wouldn't say it's too overrated right now, but it's kind of getting there.
0: Uh, with infrastructure, even though that it's an over, you say that's overrated. Do you think there's still like a lot of work that needs to be done? But you know, people are just bandwagoning it because it's just fashionable to bandwagon it now. Or do you think it's like actually, like actually, just overrated overall?
2: No, I think there is still a lot of work that needs to be done, but it's like more like engineering and biz dev work, and not uh, shilling. Uh... It's,
0: yeah, like, we don't need any more, like, you know, raising you this and We probably don't need
2: more stuff. We just need stuff that, that works, works better than what we have now. Like, yeah. for example, L2s, like, most of them don't, like, has, still have centralized sequencer and are overlay like, basically just, like, multi-six. So we don't need more L2s that are like that. We need only these L2s or maybe less L2s, but they need to have, like, they need to be more further in their development. Yeah, it's, fun- it's funny that you mentioned metalware,
0: because, you know, a few years ago, I was I worked at Gelato as one of their early employees, and so, you know, seeing their evolution from being like middleware, smart contract automation, and now they're really going for the whole vertical stack with the rollup as a service, um, mm. and leading in that direction. And then yeah. you see all these different ones. Yeah, go yeah.
2: We, we have this. Uh, we have this like internal joke in Z Prime chat, uh, which is called buzzword bingo, and we have all these like fields there. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes yeah. we are on a call with founders, so we are just like. <laughs> no, <my. laughs> it's like take a shot every time they hit a buzzword. Yeah, yeah something like that. And, and like roll up as a service is definitely there as one of the fields. So. Oh, now
0: it's a big one. Yeah, it's the picture oh. of troubles, but I will say like gelato does have a token. So they did, <laughs> you know, they did fulfill that part of being in crypto. Um, what do you think are some underrated narratives? What do you think is being overlooked right now?
2: I would still say it's uh, uh, decentralized science. Um, and it's partially because there was just no big success yet. It's still just, like, very much in development. And the problem is you cannot just have, uh, like, success in this area by pumping the token too much. I mean, you <laughs> probably kind of can on Twitter, but it won't be very uh, sustainable. You actually need some some breakthrough in the research in some of the fields that are invested by this decentralized uh, science DAOs in order to actually, like showcase that okay this is this is working for example like there is this uh this this protocol code or protocol middleware called molecule that enables uh, tokenizing intellectual property uh, for research so if you are a scientist you have some research results you you have this ip you want to uh, tokenize it to raise money so you put it into molecule you make it into nft or something and or some token, you tokenize it, and then like people can uh, can speculate if it's successful, then you know it will be worth much more in the future. but we haven't seen any i p. that would be successful as of yet, so there is no reason for these things to pump, right and there are not yeah. many yet, so I think it's underrated because it's I would say it's intellectually very interesting, and it can actually like solve some problems that early stage research funding has. But I would also say that it won't get overrated overnight. It will take some time. to take some time. For it will take research. some actual scientific like, yeah. uh, breakthrough or research breakthrough connected to this IP, which is the hard part, right? It's not like yeah. just pumping the token and having CT. Yeah.
0: The connection between science and research in crypto has been there since the beginning. I mean, you have Hal Finney uh, you know, freezing himself as a chirogenics, chi- 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 what's it called? I think that's, yeah, when you freeze yourself, yes. you have that. Yep. Uh, you know, Vitalik is super into longevity. I remember, I was at um, Zuzulu last year for like a week and a half. Mm. And it was basically just all of Vitalik's special interests. I called it Vitalik Bilderberg. Was a yeah. joke. And so it's um, just like longevity, AI, ZK, this and that. And so there's all these different cliques of people. And there was the longevity people. It was really funny about them. It's like there was different cliques within the longevity people. You had some people that were biohackers or some people that are more natural well, and like,
2: yeah. Well, what's that? Yeah, I was wondering what, what yeah, is yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. What is well, that? It's, it's the uh, glucose monitor, you know. Uh... Glucose monitor. It's like it measures your blood sugar, and it's part of my um, very extensive health protocol. I actually, hired like a biohacking coach or something like that, uh, who is like, you know, like setting my supplements, reviewing my blood work, and I'm also in this like longevity camp now. Yeah. I would say yeah. many crypto bros are into that just because, I mean, it's kind <laughs> you of... You only
0: make so much money, then you realize, yeah, like, you, I don't you, have time.
2: You make kind of enough money to be comfortable very quickly. While you are still young, most people only make money in their, like, like this kind of money in their 50s and 60s of, yeah. like, continuously grinding. And you made it so fast, and they are like, okay, now what? I can buy some random luxury stuff, which I don't really care about, but I can actually try to you know, improve my quality of life and uh, longevity in meaningful ways. So it's, I would say it's obvious that uh, many people are drawn to that from, from this field, but you know, like kind of attaching this to a token and then like investing in it is much harder than just being interesting. Yeah.
0: Right? Like when I, when I hear mm-hmm. about a token, I just think of like biotech and bio stocks and like people like trying to find like, you know, certain stocks before like, you know, the FDA, Ooh announcement comes out about a test or something and then the stock just pumps like i can i could possibly see some something similar happen in crypto like you said if like a breakthrough happens and cool. then like there's a token that pumps from it i don't it's think i think it's just hard to imagine just because it's we're early it's not there yet yeah. but it's definitely
2: something to watch but like things that are too easy to imagine are good narratives and are usually overrated fast right yeah
0: it's the things that That's you can't imagine yeah
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah um I want to ask you about your information diet because, you know, there's, in, you know, all sorts of noise and signals and it's trying to parse through everything. Like, what is your information diet? Like, what mediums do you use? Like, group chats, do you use news feeds? Like, how do you view
2: Twitter? Like, uh, in, all, in all this? So, I would say that uh, mm, my information diet is very similar to my um, normal diet. It's like balanced. <laughs> i'm not in any extreme like carnivore vegan or whatever camp i'm like i am i believe in uh, having balanced macros uh, from all sources and then it's like okay so you need balance you need to be on twitter i would say it's still very relevant you need to have a couple of good group chats you know uh, with some relevant people and then some other sources of media um some maybe some articles, some research papers, some podcasts. Um, but I would say, as with food, you still need to take care of your calorie intake. You cannot eat too much. You cannot consume mm-hmm. too much. Otherwise, you get, mm-hmm. especially we, uh, from one source like Twitter, I would say it's something like a, it's a carbs, right? It's a carbs. It's good for energy. But you can like overeat and then you get fat right. or like, you know, your glu- uh, glucose like uh, spikes up. And uh, so Twitter is definitely mm-hmm. carbs. um Podcasts are probably protein, um, or like research papers and podcasts. Good podcasts are probably protein because it kind of makes you grow uh, faster and bigger. And then group chats, yeah, I think they are fat. They are kind of also good for energy, right, good bad bad protein, bad
0: but also <laughs> having too much fat. Omega threes, you have some yeah. that are like omega threes, and then you have That's some that are good. just like just like straight, like you know, chicken fat or some yeah. shit so, like that.
2: So, for me, yeah. So for me, I, I have all these sources, but I'm I'm very picky. So it's quality over quantity, um, and then also some supplements, <laughs> which means uh, that I also try to look at things outside of crypto, like what are the new things in uh, AI, as we were talking about biotech, or like I don't know some some other fields that are connected yeah. to crypto. Uh, what happens with like even like semiconductors right now, uh, all these things, maybe a little bit of geopolitics, not macroecon. I I, I am not a macroecon, I would say that many people focus on that, so I don't have Mm -hmm. to. But like geopolitics, like how is the world being shaped uh, by big powers today? How can it affect not just crypto, but like investments in general? So these are supplements because they are not crypto specific. Right. Yeah. I like that. I,
0: I will also add to your supplements, uh, like reading about history and philosophy and different, oh, and getting that, different that. insights. Like instead of like Perfect. looking at like the current, which is definitely important supplements to take in. Yeah. Like, I st- hardcore I still hardcore yeah.
2: history. I think I'm, yeah. I'm over supplementing that one. It's a yeah. podcast. I'm, <laughs> re-
0: re- I'm reading. I'm uh, reading Meditations right now. Oh it's wow! Nice. Oh, by, yeah. that one. Yeah. yeah yeah. I've been like, it's a beautiful book. Um, yeah. honestly, like reading, it's so cool cause he's just talking to
2: himself Ooh, um, and you, he wasn't expecting. Yeah. Have you read it? Yeah, I did. I also re- yeah. uh, read Seneca. I would say like uh, meditations from Aurelius are more like, um, like the introduction. And then when you want to go a bit deeper, oh. then you can read Seneca, uh, especially letters to Lucilius. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's it goes a bit deeper. It uh, wow. explores more topics. And then you also, like, sometimes you encounter this kind of weird opinions than uh, that people in, uh, like, classic Rome had and people don't have anymore. But it's very interesting uh, to see this uh, uh, dichotomy. Yeah.
0: I I know. It's even, like, the stuff that he says today, like, you can relate to it, where you are just, like, you know, trying to get out of bed in the morning or just, like, you know, c- mm. coming and face your own morality. Like, mm. definitely a beautiful read. Um, so you said so you Chris, were listening. Uh, uh, hold on. You said question you were- about yeah. the
1: supplements. Uh, uh, I just wanted to ask, like, do you have a very strict regiment when it comes to that too? It's like you make sure you get at least five hours or you know five sources that are non crypto per week. Yeah.
2: Like, well balanced. It. I'm not as strict, but that's because I don't have a coach. I have this biohacking coach, so he takes care of my normal supplements and he tells me exactly. I have this spreadsheet. He tells me what, what to eat this week and how much and when. If I had this in, uh, in, a research, that would be amazing, but I'm on my own and I'm not exactly. as organized on my own. So I think I usually overdo it a bit. Um, it's just because like I really, It's like the space is so entertaining. It's so entertaining to be in crypto. I cannot imagine like working in some other field when I talk to my friends who work in real estate or I don't know, some traditional venture funds or whatever. Like, even though their businesses are also very interesting and sometimes profitable, they don't have nowhere near as much like drama and dopamine hits and and, and, like random entertaining stuff happening every day and and memes and stuff that we have in crypto. It's so funny. It's so, it's so a, fun. Yeah, it's so many characters. Yeah, so I kind of need to be careful. I actually I don't have Twitter on my mobile phone. I only check Twitter on my laptop. So oh, this is how interesting. I try to manage my calorie intake um, from carbs, but uh, but yeah, other than that, I think I I don't have a strict regimen, but I have sort of when I travel it's messy. When I I, I travel a lot of times, so when I travel it's kind of messy, but when I'm in one place, I always try to finish everything two hours before bedtime, you know, and then just like maybe even only watch some anime or just completely disconnect. Um, I I go for walks. Walks are very underrated. Like Lindy having walks. Calls, having calls on walks, you know, it's it's much better than sitting somewhere. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I try to have better schedule, but I'm not as organized as I would like to be.
0: Yeah, especially traveling. It's hard to have a routine when you travel. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah um you mentioned uh hardcore history as a supplement too i know i cut you off there can you like go into that because i'm a huge like history nerd as yeah well. it's
2: it's a podcast by dan carlin uh it's yeah. amazing he it has like this long form he just basically just narrates some uh, historical uh, big events or periods uh, and uh yeah like my my favorite i think is blueprint for, for armageddon uh, about world war one um but there are many, many others, and you just—he has this like kind of very captivating voice that even if, like, if you wanna fall asleep, it kind of is this like ASMR, sort of, story. yeah, right. Uh, but uh, he also, you know, he researches his stuff very well, and he mm-hmm. he manages to like capture, like capture me at least for hours listening to some, I don't know, like he had like three hour. 3 hour podcast about uh, okay, Alexander this. the Great's mother, you know, not Alexander yeah. the Great, Alexander the Great's mother. Wow, you know, it's a very interesting character in human history. Nobody actually knows much about her, but like extremely fascinating. So definitely recommend hardcore history.
0: Yeah, it's fine. People's attention spans are either 3 hours long for a podcast or 10 seconds for a TikTok. There's no in between anymore. <laughs> We're so screwed.
2: <laughs> this barbell strategy
0: barbell we're barbell here yeah um, you know you mentioned like you know, crypto culture and I want to ask you like what's your favorite part about being in the industry being in the culture
2: mm, what's my favorite part about crypto culture yeah there are many things actually that I love about it as I said it's first of all it's so entertaining and there are always like new things happening and memes around them mm-hmm. um, I also like this uh, let's say Zero to hero, Sigma grindset culture, or these like yeah. success stories of random people you know who have access to internet but would never make it in like any financial industry, investing in stocks or anything else, but they could make it like in crypto. They could start mm-hmm. like from nothing almost. They could join a DAO or or get some airdrop or something and then like start grinding up um, and then run it up. Really like it attracts this, like, I mean, it attracts all kinds of people, of course, cameras as well, but it also attracts these, like, uh, from zero people that actually, like, you know, they want to work hard and they want to uh, think fast and and, uh, and smart uh, what to do and understand new concepts, try new tech. I really like that. I also like the anon culture. I like the fact that, you know, you can be online as some, uh, some, like, uh, anime PFP or something like that, and People just care right. about your opinions and not about yeah. where are you from, how do you look like. Um, which is, yeah. I mean, it's not just just, inter- just crypto culture. I would say it's it's broader internet culture in some places. But I would say that crypto kind of connects this with sort of like making money, investing, uh, and talking about new tech um, with skin in the game. That makes it very interesting. Yeah, it's this
0: giant. A game that we're all part of and everybody has a different skin, they're a different character. Hell, maybe they're multiple characters, they have multiple personalities, and they're just mm-hmm. psyoping us. Yeah. Um, you know, getting back into like talking about what's going on in DeFi more, you're notably bearish DeFi, especially stable coins, as you mentioned in the oh, in the last podcast. So I wanna get into that. Like can you explain your rationale here and what could make you
2: Flip bullish DeFi. Um, I'm not sure if I said I'm bearish DeFi. Maybe I did, but it's. Yeah. I, I think I need to provide some nuance to that. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I'm not like I'm not shorting any DeFi coins or anything like that. I just feel that with DeFi in general, uh, we kind of hit this uh, innovation ceiling. Like anything mm-hmm. that that was zero to one was. And uh, maybe I will be wrong, and I'm open-minded to be to be wrong. Uh, founders reach out to me, prove me wrong, show me the new thing that you are building. But I kind of feel that like every zero to one already kind of happened, like AMMs, over collateralized lending, you know, even proof of stake and liquid staking is to to some extent, I would say DeFi or financial engineering in crypto. So we kind of reached that, like Ethereum switched to proof of stake, that was huge zero to one. But then like restaking, then uh, having a little bit more efficient, uh, uh, fee structure or some AMM curves or something is not mm-hmm. zero to one. It's just like marginal improvement. And all these projects are just trying to have different trade-offs and, uh, and small improvements. That's one thing. Um, the other thing is that many of the bigger projects, they realize that they are building a business, not a protocol. So they try to expand to different territories to land grab from their neighbors, you know, like the money legal thesis of the past is, is kind of uh, that, I would say. Everyone wants to capture as much space as possible. So lending protocols want to have stable coins. Stable coins want to have uh, uh, liquid staking derivatives. And it kind of makes sense because it, if you connect it well, you kind of create the synergy between your own protocols and projects that then like capture value in, in your domain, in your DAO or your business, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than just having a little piece of it as a little protocol that kind of does one thing well and not expand That's that's not as i mean investors actually want to see businesses and businesses do this businesses expand like facebook is now doing vr apple is also doing vr and facebook yeah. started a social network and apple started as uh, as hardware like a phone provider right uh, and computer provider so for manufacturer so like you can see that even in big tech, this, this always happens. Like companies expand so much that they start to reach borders of the neighbors and then like cross between the borders and try to capture land. And this happens in DeFi. And the reason why I'm not, I mean, I'm kind of not bullish on this is that it kind of marks this end of the, uh, zero to one innovation phase. Mm -hmm. And also it starts the era of like cutthroat competition with, uh, Fees going to zero and or like very low, which is good for user, but for investor, right? So I would say that investing in in uh, DeFi tokens in general will not outperform some other fields. With caveat that there are huge ex- exceptions, and I always wanna see the exceptions. So even though I'm like I'm kind of skeptical about investing in in new DeFi things now, I'm I'm still you know like. Uh, Receiving pitches, and I'm still looking at them because I'm, I want to be wrong. I want to see what is yeah. the new innovation, and I want, want to be there first, like like an investor, right? But um, but it's, yeah, I haven't seen too many like really really new things yep. out there yep. in this category. And when it, when it comes to stablecoins, like <laughs> I'm actually quite bullish on stablecoins as a concept. Like as we can see, it's one of the biggest product market uh, fit use cases for De- uh, for DeFi and crypto in general. Um, Tron has what, like a hundred million dollars in last thirty days of, of fees generated with USDT, like almost exclusively mm-hmm. USDT. Mm-hmm. It's, it's crazy. It's like it's even more ultrasound than than Ethereum. <laughs> like it <earns> more. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> like it's, just, it's basically just USDT. There is nothing else happening yeah. on Tron overall. Um, so like stablecoins are huge, but as I said before. USDT and USDC are both so well entrenched and work reasonably well for majority of users with like enough trust put into them that like trying some new dollar-packed stablecoin, some algorithmic stablecoin or whatever. I mean, it's interesting as an experiment, but I just, without some really big breakthrough in distribution, like some Luna, but not a scam, uh, I just Mm -hmm. don't see them kind of competing uh, such an uphill battle. Um, so yeah, if someone proves me wrong, like, please, like, I still believe there is a lot of space on this market for something new with different trade-offs, but you know, market needs to want it. And some, sometimes it feels that market is already happy with what we have. So it's hard to be bullish on, on something new if it's not,
0: if the market doesn't respond.
2: Yeah. If it's not challenging to the status quo, like if, if I build a stable coin, that's, I don't know, has a little bit higher yield for some like, uh, reason that I, I engineered financially, you know, with some staking, okay, but, like, that's that's not ten times better.
0: Yeah. Um, going to the innovation, I actually think there's one, like, exception. I think there's, like, one innovation coming to DeFi that's actually a, a zero-to-one innovation. Um, have you seen BAM, the borrow AMM? No, I haven't. Okay, so listen to this. The right. BAM is basically, you know, Uni V2, you know how Uni V2, you know, permissionless liquidity of course. The same thing but for lending. So ba- the how bam works is you can like you know there's a bunch of like unused liquidity in like the Uni V2 pair. Basically, even though it's like not as capital efficient, you can lend that out. So if you have like, you know, ETH and USDC in, in a pool, you can like lend out the USDC at maybe like 25% LTV. Mm-hmm. Um and the thing with the BAM is that there can never be bad debt, and that's why it works. Um, and this is something that Frax is building, and this is something that Frax is going to premiere on Fraxel. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if they're going to premiere it right away, but like they're going to premiere it soon. But I think like being able to permissionlessly leverage any long tail asset could have the same effects as uh, Uniswap b 2 and like bring about you know DeFi Summer 2.0. But maybe Ooh. I'm just optimistic, and I'm just a show. I'm obviously biased. One token, one <laughs> token. There's already a token. In fact, it's yeah, um, <laughs> actually already it's the most legacy <laughs> token. Yeah, the there's most most actually one. yeah no. There's like a few protocols out there doing it too, like trying to like build it. I know like uh, Astaria. I think like as like talked about trying to build it. There's like another uh, protocol called Nalogram that's like building something similar. But I think Frax is the farthest along. Uh, we wrote about it extensively on Flywheel. We even like made like a nice little GIF. Shout out people for making mm-hmm. it. But I think like seeing that, like imagine like imagine if you're like a founder or like imagine and like you like have tokens. So if you're a treasurer, you have tokens, but you don't want to sell the tokens, but you still want to like you know get some stables because you need to pay employees or do something. Then boom, you can you have bam to do it, and it like automatically you know collateralizes and de collateralizes. So, okay. Yeah, uh,
2: I'm happy to take a look at it. I, I cannot form <laughs> an opinion on this fast.
0: But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Pretty yeah, bullish now. <laughs> yeah, but um, you're getting into like Frax. Um, what are your thoughts on Frax? Um, overall, and you know, I feel like Frax. Like what I've like noticed with Frax is definitely like it's highly respected by builders and people that are deep in the space, like money nerds and you know VC- VC's. Like, but I feel like. Retail may not like see FRAX as much and FXS as much and it's like someone that's like really, you know, focused on, you know, really into perception and like understands how like coins are perceived. Like how do you think FRAX could improve their perception mm-hmm. in the wider market?
2: So first of all, I must say that I haven't been paying too much attention to FRAX yeah. lately. I know about it. Uh, we are also farming something on FRAX. Um, but nice. uh, but recently I just like I'm not up to date. So if I say something really uh, funny or stupid, then just you can just laugh. Um, <laughs> so I feel that FRAX, at, from at least like narrative perspective, it's over-engineered, meaning that I'm not saying that, you know, the tech is over-engineered. The tech is as complicated as it needs to be. And I believe the, uh, the developers, some, uh, and the team, they know better what they need on the tech front than, than me. So I'm not saying they over-engineered the tech. But I think that the perception of it that it's just like this, over-engineered sort of group of financial things kind of stitched together, and it, it's very hard to explain it to, to like, random user. Like, again, when I compare... And Frax started as, like, fractionalized stablecoin, right? So it's also in mm-hmm. this realm of competing with USDC, and, like, why are people in South America not using Frax dollar, and they use Tether for, uh, for payments? Just because distribution, right? Because... Mm-hmm. Uh, Frax is not uh, Frax, like stablecoin is not ten times better than Tether at this point. Maybe one day it will be, I hope. But also the distribution matters, and like if you take a look at Luna, of course they they were also the the system was not viable. Maybe if they had more time and they had better uh, management, maybe they could move into this fractionalized model with with the Bitcoin reserves and something like that. I don't know, but at least it had this like. Very clear, like value proposition for for mainstream user, which ended up being a scam. But I mean, this is how they got users because they were simple to use, and they simple, simple to build. They were simple to build on by third parties too, at least to extent of my knowledge. Um, and Frax, I I don't think at this current state Frax is any of those things. It's very interesting uh, for financial nerds, as you said, and uh, it may work very well under the hood, but you know, it's not. Is not easily marketable as, as a product. It, at the least. story needs to be told. It needs to be improved, basically. Like the, the story and also the the user, uh, the value for the end user. If the mm-hmm. end user is just like some financial engineer who wants to some you know like play with some uh, interesting. Uh, like uh, DeFi applications and find some new niche ways how to leverage something or collateralize something or yield farm. Okay, but this is not what ninety nine percent of people care about. Yeah,
0: like and Frax has definitely been making those improvements. It's crazy, like how many different things Frax is doing, like right now between yeah, like, the RWA stuff that they're doing. They just released Frax bonds, which is like the first time there's a yield curve on chain. They have S Frax, which is like oh, that's the equivalent of like s dies s frax but even like i can explain it but to the average user it's like like you said it's like overcomplicated. all this like all yeah, this coming so, out uh, once. how would you
2: even like put it in one sentence that's the thing they're building so many things is it like one stop shop for your uh, crypto finance or something you could just like wrap it into this marketing yeah, you know, term my, my sure.
0: favorite thing that came out recently i did a space with sam last month and he said that frax is building the m2 layer for the most important assets of the 21st century. So they have a dollar-pegged stablecoin, they have an ETH-pegged stablecoin. Uh, in the future, they can include other stablecoins, quote unquote, like a BTC stablecoin. Well, you know, if they,
2: they want to support uh, the most important assets in 21st century, they should have Nvidia stock, right? Nvidia
0: yeah, <laughs> they, <laughs> they should, <laughs> they should. Nvidia yeah. stablecoin. Yeah. Yeah. Nvidia stablecoin, yeah. We should have, yep, yeah. um, so true. Um, you know, something else I, I want to get into, uh, well, I guess, like, before I ask my next question, like, what do you think of that one sentence pitch? Mm. It's, it's still,
2: like, it's still not something that as yeah. a random user, I would get, uh, what M2, is M2? I, M2? I don't even know what's M2. Yeah, is. yeah, what is M2? That's the thing, like, M2, but like, does the
0: average user know what M2 is? Yeah, well, it's like, well, I was I thinking that... that. Yeah. I've wrote Because I wrote in the Frax group today, like like people are like trying to like think of like a tag, because people in the Frax group are self-aware of this problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like people are trying to think of like, <laughs> it's really funny trying to have all these people like think of like one sentence and mm-hmm. they just can't yet. And I'm just like M2 settlement layer. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. all right, guys, like we just got to like think of like some like sick memes with like M2. People not, might not know what M2 is, but if we just like have memes of like M2 everywhere and associate that with Frax, we're good
2: or alternatively don't care about memes or anything like that just make elon musk uh, use frax in x payments if you you pull this off you don't have to care about anything else just make it easy enough to be implemented in in this use case and it flies right but it does the distribution zero to one. that's distribution
0: distribution that's the name of the game distribution speaking of distribution oh wait what are you gonna say I just want to say, like, that is Frax
1: phase one, right? Now, Frax is going to be Fraxtel, which is its own yep. L2. Oh.
0: So then, like, it's going to get even <laughs> more complicated. Fraxtel. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of L2s, you know, you know Fraxtel is far from the only one launching, you know. We're probably going to see thousands of roll-ups in the future. So what are, you, what are your thoughts on all these different roll-ups and chains with all the different nooks and crannies coming out? And, it's like, the- what – Yeah.
2: It's the next step of uh, trying to capture value as a business, right? As we mentioned before, protocols turn into businesses. They realize they want to be businesses because they want to appeal to investors. So from one uh, one simple protocol, let's say swap, they started to capture more ground by integrating stable coins and lending, da, da, da. And now the the next step they realize is that, okay, we are capturing all this DeFi ground, but there is too much competition. But you know, there is someone else launching an L2 or L1, uh, raising much more money, like having much more FDV for their token. Obviously, this is the next step. So now everyone is uh, doing that to capture even more land, but not like in horizontal sense, like different DeFi use cases, but like vertical sense, Uh, meaning that they go deeper, they want to capture the infra part because then the fees accrued from transactions are not going to the base layer, they are going mostly to them. Of course, minus some DA costs and other stuff. But, um, it's just another push to being like a business with value capture. And I would yeah. say for many things, it's sensible. At that, that being said, we already see saturation there as well. <laughs> when everybody is doing something, and if it's a recipe that everybody follows, it stops being good, right? It stops yeah. being something that can differentiate you, and then you are just again fighting in this very competitive red ocean with anyone else. That being said, if someone pulls it off, it's something that's more complex than just like if you just have like, like Uniswap clone, it doesn't make sense to build layer two. If you have some DeFi ecosystem with all the different PCs kind of connected together in some meaningful way, I think it makes a bit more sense. Um, but again, we will see now a huge saturation. Everybody will have L2, and then two, three years from now, all of these L2s will kind of cease to exist or be very uh, meaningless and only a couple of winners emerge. So it's yeah. a cycle of yeah. life and death. In, yeah, in the-
0: And at the-, the end of the day, everybody wants to own their own real estate and they want to own their own land. <laughs> so it comes down to, uh, but is uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, before we go, uh, we, we always do a lightning round where we get to know like the man behind the PFP. So, uh, Kit, uh, I'll let you start off with this one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We'll kick it off this sun, but I think you, you may have shared it a little bit, but I'd love to hear the story of when you first touch the blockchain what was your virgin crypto experience but sex doesn't
2: count <laughs> uh, okay um, well i started this account on i i, I don't even remember the name now uh, but like this online poker room asian online poker room uh, because some of my poker friends told me oh there are like so many asian whales there who are like super stupid and have a lot of money and <laughs> Like okay, I wanna play there, right? This is yeah. this is how you win money in poker. You find people who have money and don't think very well. Um, so I went there and then I learned that it only accepts Bitcoin, I guess, because it was the gambling was somehow uh, regulated or illegal. So I had to learn how to buy Bitcoin, and that was a huge pain in the ass. I had to go to what was that? I'm not sure if it was Empty Gogs back then for the first time. So I bought some. Was like. I had to install this like weird wallet and then I had to... Was like, it
0: the full client? Was it like the full Bitcoin client I, you had to install? I don't even
2: remember, but it was so fucking like complicated. I spent like one day <laughs> doing it. Then I also remember like when I'm at it, I should also try to mine Bitcoin. It was like 2015 or something, 14, I don't know. So I left my laptop running overnight and then I came back the next morning and it was like zero, right? Like obviously. I mine, What's going no, on one. here? <laughs> so i like, yeah, that's stupid, right? And then I remember just, like, sending transactions and being, like, kind of worried I messed something up because it was so... I was used to something completely different and then, like... And there was no customer support, you know, to ask anything. It was... Hey, Satoshi. (laughs)
1: Satoshi. 1-800-SATOSHI.
2: And then the very next memory I have uh, is that I won some money from poker and then I wanted to withdraw from this, like, Bitcoin thing back to dollars. By the time I withdrew it, there was, like, some sharp correction or something, and I had some, even less than I had when I started playing, and I actually won. <laughs> I, I was up on the day, so I was like, this is so stupid. Like, I hate this. Uh, oh. Yes, yeah, it's like a rug before a rug. Yeah, yeah. So I guess nice. I'm I'm one of the few users who started not uh, as traders or speculating on crypto, but started as actual users. I wanted to use it for the yeah. thing that is intent to be used for, to, uh, like... Uh, Bypass some laws locally, right? And uh, send payments, right? So this is how I used it. And oh my God, right. it was such a nightmare. Right, right. Censorship resistant, not bypassing yeah. laws.
1: You know, let's, let's rebrand Censorship that. Censorship resistant,
0: yeah.
2: Let's rebrand yeah. that. i from Eastern Europe, so we say things how they are, but yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Second question is, what is your favorite off-chain touch grass activity? Hobbies and interests.
2: Oh, I have so many. But my very favorite... Recently is um, mountaineering. Mm. Uh, last end of last year, I went to Nepal, climbed like uh, six thousand two hundred uh, mountain, wow. which is already like very challenging, and I loved every second of it. I mean, I kind of hated the whole thing as well. It was love and hate, but it was such a such a serene and like humbling and and sort of uh, yeah, just just very very deep experience on, on many levels. Um, so I really like that. I want to do more of it in the
0: did, future. Did you go alone?
2: No, no. I, I had some friends with me.
0: Gotcha. Um, what would be some advice to your younger self?
2: Mm, to my younger self? I'm kind of scared to give myself any advice because even I, I had like in my 20s, my life was very volatile and I've been through a lot of... Uh, Ups and and also huge downs. And I could definitely give myself some advice to avoid some of those downs. But at the same time, I feel that I'm kind of worried that if I give myself any sort of meaningful advice, I would change some something, cause some butterfly effect, and would not end up where I am now. And where I am now, I'm extremely (laughs) satisfied. I'm like, I'm living the the life. Like I I never like 10 years ago, I never even dreamed like dreamt about living the life i have now so i'm i'm extremely happy with where i am and where i'm going and i don't i'm afraid that i would change something if i gave myself advice advices so no so advice I mean,
0: no, no advice people this people is the first no advice i yeah, love to say no advice
2: how you it? like eat all the shit yeah. like, uh, learn all the lessons and just like do yeah, just, learn, yeah. just do like what, what you want to do
1: yeah eat all the shit and learn all the lessons that that is the advice in the, of itself. All right. I thought yes. said eat all so, the shit.
2: <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, me. that too. Yes. That too.
2: That too. I mean, there is this <laughs> lot, there is this biohacking trick where you, when you have some uh, uh, disbalance no. in your gut microbiome that you actually can uh, can eat someone else's excrements. A good, to, good, good, to good story, microbiome. Right? Yeah, I've, so, I've heard of that. I yeah. haven't tried it though, but yeah.
0: One okay. weird trick. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> okay yeah so um the, the final one for me is if you weren't in crypto or playing poker or tech or finance what would your professional career path be if you could what be you anything mean, like, you wanted it to be well i want to be what i am now
0: no <laughs> that can't be That it can't be that no, that okay. can't be
1: the answer like 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 you know when you were a kid and your teacher asked you like what
0: did you want to be when you grow Be like a firefighter or like oh an astronaut no, oh, I, want
2: to be, I wanted to be a National Geographic uh, documentarist and go to like nature and and uh, ah. make, uh, documentaries about uh, wildlife.
0: Ah, very cool. Hence the mountaineering, okay. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, and last one, uh, who would you recommend as a guest? Who do you want to see next on Flywheel?
2: Mm. And there are so many options I could pick from. I would say Mati would be interesting. He always has very good takes from Z Prime, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, Or some project founder. Let me think. Carlos from Parallel. Ah, Parallel. Uh, Carlos is is great. Carlos is like, he's the Steve Jobs of NFT gaming. Zero to one? uh yeah I, I would say so yeah in many ways <laughs> yeah, okay. i mean it's it's a co- i mean right now it's collectibles card games, so you cannot say it's zero to one in in any other sense rather than nft centric distribution but what they are building with uh, Colony and stuff i would say that that could be zero to one in gaming in general wow got it yeah we'd love to have
0: him on um i, I can i can
2: check with him i think he oh yeah have...
0: yeah for sure do. um but Fiscantes, thank you so much for coming on uh, where can people find you like tag any like links and sites
2: mm, just Fiscantes on Twitter everything interesting is there I don't write any long form blogs I don't do any like I don't have any YouTube channel or TikTok or anything just just go to yeah if you want to follow my posting do that I, I'm, I don't know why would you do that but go ahead and some
0: nuggets of wisdom as well here and there <laughs>
2: but I mean, yeah uh, but
0: Fiscantes uh, thank you so much for coming on we hope to see you soon
2: Thank you for having me. Have a good one. Thanks, thank you, man.
0: All right, everyone. You know what it is. It's the post game. I'm your host, DeFi Dave, here with Capital K. And we are wrapping up an interview with Viscontes of Z Prime Capital. And we went into every, this is a pretty well rounded interview. You know how he said he has a well rounded diet? He has a well rounded information diet, food diet, exercise. Like this whole interview was just well rounded overall. Uh, You know, we get into everything. We got into everything here. So, Kit, what are your thoughts on this one?
1: My key takeaway is make sure you have a balanced information diet, Twitter or carbs. So limit that and good podcasts and yeah. great articles and blogs and research are your proteins. And
0: obviously group chats are your fats. Some are that's good. Gonna, some are bad. <laughs> yeah. That's going to make such a great clip when it comes out. The food group, <laughs> like different, this is the group chats. This and that, like, I think that that is going to really hit and I can't wait to see that comes out. Yeah. No. Um, I you know I've like me and Fiscantes have been mutual on Twitter for a while. I've always enjoyed his takes, his shit posting. I always found mm-hmm. him very insightful and unique. So it was like good to, and I've heard his interviews in the in the past. It was good to like hear it in the flash, or hear it like actually mm-hmm. live. Uh, you know, very insightful. Um, you know, I thought he had like a lot of interesting viewpoints about like what what's overrated. I mean, what to look for in founders, what not to look for in founders, and it sounds like early on it's not really about the project, but it's about like the founder itself. Like judging like, okay, like, is this guy serious? Is he just, is he a novel, original first principles thinker, this founder, or is he just following the crowd? And that's like the main thing he was getting at that with VC investing. Yeah. And I, I think he
1: gave, he, you know, as a poker player, he has a ton of like heuristics that he has to like rely on to make quick decisions. So I think he applies that to obviously crypto, but also because of how, is in the crypto culture and crypto space that it also has a inherent fundamental lens to his analysis too because from the sound of it he's very disciplined right are you zero Mm -hmm. to one or not are you a business or a protocol right how are you going to get mass adoption like these are very practical questions to ask so i thought that Mm -hmm. was very uh almost like a really unique dichotomy between making a super fast decision but all the while being still very substantive and
0: fundamental yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Uh, is there any point in this interview where you were surprised? Point in the interview I was surprised.
1: Um, let me think on that. How about you? Anything surprised you?
0: Uh, let me think. I don't know. At one point, I, I don't know if anything surprised me, but I did have fun at the beginning talking about just like ski stories and like just random stuff like that. Just like she, I, I really enjoyed how well-rounded, like I really, by well-rounded, I really enjoyed all the non-crypto stuff we talked about on the interview, you know, whether yeah. it was like, oh, like history. he's doing longevity, talking about history, you know, pulling up uh, the Stoic and he was talking about right. Seneca. Now I have Seneca, I'll have like the letters book on my reading list. So like being well-rounded like that, because people in crypto are, you know, they're more than just like their profile picture and NFT collection, uh, you know, they usually have this interdisciplinary background because crypto is interdisciplinary in nature with all these different intersections. And so it makes sense that you have stuff like longevity and whatnot, these topics. Uh, I like how he complimented my hat. That's why I know he's a real one. They complimented man the culture. hat. Yeah, a, yeah true, ma- man a true man of culture. Man of culture. Um, yeah. You know, but yeah, it was a fun interview overall. And, you know, uh, I hope to uh, have him on again or like see him in person soon. Uh, But if you want to catch up with anything flywheel, make sure you go ahead. Hit that bell button right now. You subscribe. Make sure you if you're watching this on Twitter, make sure you follow us on Twitter. Go ahead and do that because we're posting these on Twitter. Uh, If you're on YouTube, leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. Give us a like. If you're on Twitter, give us a retweet. Give us a like. Share this, engage with this, reply to this. You know, every little bit helps. Uh, if if you, you want to follow us on our socials, at Flywheel DeFi, you got to do it on Twitter, TikTok, Telegram. We'll be there. If you want to follow yours truly on Twitter, it's DeFi Dave 22 And I'm at 0X, capital underscore K. And we'll see you next week. Peace. Deuces.